comfortable spot listening to this show. It's going to be something a little bit different today. Today, I've got Will Cornwell with me. Hey, Will. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. So, Will is an associate professor at UNSW, and Will, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about what you study? Uh, mostly, I study plants. Um, I'm interested in coexistence of lots of different species, what maintains diversity, um, community ecology, basically. I also study a little bit of fungi and a little bit of birds from now every once in a while. Yeah, because the fungi and the birds actually just started really recently for you as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, so there you go, students. Just because the supervisor is doing one thing doesn't mean they won't try something else. So you can always approach them if you wanted to study something different than what they do. But that's an aside. Let's get back to the point of this. Today, we're actually going to be talking a little bit about evolution and ecology and the similarities between the two things so you all can get a little bit of a better understanding of kind of how they go together and how they're used together to understand the natural world a little bit better. So Will, you actually had me read a paper before we did this. Yeah, so there's this book chapter which I thought yep. was really cool because it, like I've been thinking for a long time, you have evolution classes, you have ecology classes, and sometimes they don't talk to each other very well. And um, there was this guy from Canada called Mark Vellin who wrote a book about the connection between the two. And there's actually this really profound connection. There's the same types of processes have analogies in the two different spheres. And so we're going to talk a little bit today about how ecology and evolution kind of talk to each other. And I think this is a really kind of important thing because I've always considered myself an evolutionary biologist and I actually haven't worked with many ecologists before. but after reading that paper or that chapter, absolutely, there's so many similarities in the way we think about things. We just call them different things often. Yeah, so this, this class is really going to be about the connection between the terms. Exactly, yeah. And helping you classify the stuff that you hear in the rest of the course and the rest of your ecology degree, if you're doing an ecology degree. Or evolutionary or degree. Or evolutionary <laughs> degree. What is the analogy in the other sphere? And to really see these things as two different sides of the same coin. Yeah, exactly. So, I think what we wanted to start with the evolutionary side of things, you said? Yeah, yeah. so I guess, I mean, I, I guess one of the things about evolution is that it was really organized very well early on, mostly by Darwin, yep. um, and then a little bit later on, and, and it had this kind of theoretical framework very early, and, and so evolutionary biologists like Mike tend to be a little bit more theoretical than ecologists like me. Uh, we tend to think a little bit more about field situations, a little bit more about management, a little bit more applied. But there really is a strong theoretical basis to ecology, and, and that's what we're going to get to later on. So why don't we start with the yeah. four fundamental processes right. in evolution. So, luckily, before this, we actually wrote them down because you know <laughs> the stress of trying to remember them all well, in the middle of a podcast kind of makes it difficult. So we'll talk about four processes, and I'll name these four processes right off the bat, and then we'll go through them a little bit. But these four processes is or are selection, or very specifically natural selection. Then Probably we'll, everybody's heard about that one before. Yeah, I hope so. If you haven't heard about natural selection, we're going to be in a little <laughs> bit of trouble. You should talk to us so that maybe we may get you up to speed. Um, and then the second one is drift. And in an evolutionary term, we talk about genetic drift. And I'll get back to that in a, in a second. And then the third one is going to be mutation. And the final one is migration. So those are the four things that we're going to kind of chat about. And now kind of let's, let's dive into each one of those things a little bit further so that we can um, kind of explore them a little bit and help you understand them. 
Yeah, and I guess the fundamental thing is that in evolution, the thing you're trying to explain is how many alleles are there of this particular gene in a particular population. Exactly. So allele, one allele, hopefully you've heard the term allele before. Yes. <laughs> um, allele can either go up in frequency or it can go down in frequency. Uh, or a new allele can, can appear. That's exactly it. And it'll be these relative frequencies of the alleles is that is going to determine evolution. Yeah, so th those are for, so what's a process? What does a process mean? So a process is something that's occurring, right? Something that is resulting in some change, you know, that leads to an outcome. Okay. And so, so selection is... Is a process. A process. That will end up leading to changes in gene frequencies or allele frequencies, I should actually say. Okay. So I go out and I mow your lawn... And yeah. I cut the really tall plants. Yes. And that leads to a different allele frequency. There's only short plants left. Is that selection? Well, that's not selection because they're all the same individuals. They just changed their phenotype because oh. they've been cut, right? Okay. So, you know, selection, let's say it will be a bunch of birds in a forest. And we, some of they range in how much red they have in their in their feather coloration and that will say the females like really red males so what's going to happen over time is they're going to choose those red males and those red males and those females that chose them will end up having more red offspring okay okay right? and then over time you have more red and fewer alleles associated with other colors so we say that that population has evolved more red individuals and that can happen slowly or fast or both well usually they take a while to happen but it also will depend on how quickly animals reproduce oh, right. so we're talking about generational time not actual you know clockwork kind of time anything that has more generations the faster generations will end up evolving faster okay and then drift. So what's drift? So, so drift is a funny one and something that students usually kind of have trouble with. Um, drift is the idea that these changes in, in allele frequencies can happen, but they don't happen as a response to selection. They end up happening accidentally, randomly, or a really cool term that we talked about earlier, stochastically. Okay, stochastically. So that means the opposite is deterministic? I guess it would be, yeah. yeah, right? So something happens as a consequence of some interaction, while stochastic is you trip and fall. All right. You know, it's an accident. It has nothing to do with a plan. Um, it just happens. And it might not happen next time. And it might not, exactly. That's, a, that's an important aspect of it, that next time something different could happen in that situation. So the red bird males could yep. have a lot of offspring just by chance, one year. Could, yeah. If the females don't have any preference. Yes. If the females have no preference, then just by chance the red could go up in the population, yep. could go down, and that would be drift. Yep, because they're just randomly meeting each other and associating with each other. But if they prefer it every year, then that's selection. selection. That's okay. exactly it. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I'm with you. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Uh, so mutation's the next one. The mutation is, that's the one that is going to provide new genetic information. 
right? Okay, so the birds were not red before. Exactly. Some so, bird so, appears that's red. That's exactly from some kind of change in how DNA is transcribed, and now all of a sudden you have the mutation, and all of a sudden you have this red bird. Okay, and that changes things. And that changes, changes all the outcome, changes all the interactions. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And sometimes for a positive way, and sometimes a negative way. Sometimes it may not mean anything, but um, selection has the potential to end up working on that if there's any kind of preference for it. Okay, and then the last one is migration. Yes, and that will be, let's say we have two of these populations of birds, and there's no red ones in one, but there's red ones in another, and one individual from that red population just ends up leaving and joining the new one. And that's a new introduction of that, that allele or that, okay. that phenotype into that population. So that's the, the organism moved, right? Yeah. Or the egg moved or something moved. Something moved, yeah. Or changed the, location in some kind of way. And the mutation is um, there was actually genetic... Uh, so something happened in the copying of the DNA? Exactly. Like, Some mistake usually that ends up happening. Right. So the mistake is random. Yeah. Ish. Yeah, to some extent. To some yeah. extent. And but that could could have all these consequences. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, okay. So those are the four fundamental processes. So and then the outcomes of those processes are could be something like genetic diversity. Yep, absolutely. Um so that could increase, you know, selection has the potential to, which often decreases genetic diversity because there's a certain type that's favored. Right. I still feel like there's something. Oh, so, oh, so you have the origin of new things are mutation and migration. Yes. But the end of something is not a process. That's an outcome. That's an outcome. Yeah. So if the red bird is around for a while and then for whatever reason, those individual, that allele... Say, say the females don't prefer the red bird. They never yep. mate with the red bird. Yep. So there's selection against it. Absolutely. And those red birds go away. Yes. That's an outcome, not a process. Exactly. All right. So that's a result of selection or potentially drift. All right. Oh, it could happen randomly. Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because let's just say, let's say there's 10 birds in this population and one of them's red. If something accidentally ends up happening, um, it's more likely to wipe out that one individual than the other nine that are different from it. So just by random chance, something could, some accident could happen. Let's say there's a fire or there's a, a big storm, and that, it's more likely for that one individual to end up dying or disappearing in some kind of way as a consequence of them just being a low frequency of that. For those of you who are watching the video, Mike is patting a dog right now. That's why he's making that strange... <laughs> Yes, you can't see him. Unfortunately. You can't see the dog, unfortunately. But there's a dog. But there's a <laughs> there's a dog here, and he just wants pats really, really badly. <laughs> I'm gonna have to put you outside in a little bit because you want too many pats. Because you're gonna start barking. Uh, okay, so 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 things can go extinct based on selection. Oh, so that was the question I had. So you got ten birds. Yep. Drift drift is more important when there're ten birds than when there's ten thousand. Yes, that's exactly. And that's a really fundamental kind of way of thinking about genetic drift. When, when there's a lot of individuals, if you get, let's say there's a thousand individuals, if you randomly remove 10 of those individuals, you're not really having a, a huge effect on that population. But if you say have 20 individuals and you randomly remove 10 individuals, that has a potential to really change the allele frequencies in, the, in that population and have a big outcome yeah. on the phenotypes within it. 
Okay, so so drift can drift happens more when there's uh, so drift more important or has a larger effect. Larger effect, so it has more likely to lead to this genes alleles going away. Exactly. When they're small versus yeah. when they're large. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I think that makes sense. So those, yeah. are, those are four fundamental processes. I'm trying to see if we missed anything. I think uh, no. We... Oh, so relative frequency selection. That's a funny term. Yeah, yeah. So our, in evolutionary biology, we call it frequency dependence. Okay, so, so what's that? So that essentially means that an outcome depends on the frequency of that allele. So let's, let's, <laughs> well, let's use boxers for an example. Um, or, or, or cricket or batters. Yeah. You know, uh, we use cricket batters because that, that, that's a more Australian kind of thing. So let's say you have a bunch of right-handed batters come up and you have a bowler bowling towards them. Bowlers commonly come up to right-handed batters. They know how to deal with them. So they'll bowl and it's, they know how to kind of you know, bowl them out. But you might have a left-handed batter come up every once in a while because they occur in lower frequency in a population just by chance. And because bowlers don't often get to interact with left-handed batters, they don't get that experience and those left-handed batters end up doing better. So Okay, so that, but that but if they get if there's too many of the bowlers learn. That's exactly it. So, so they have an advantage when rare exactly. goes away. Yeah, so when there's something is rare, there's an advantage, and that's called negative frequency dependent selection. Okay. So rare individuals have an advantage in that population and they're selected for. But go ahead, yeah. So there's also positive? There is positive, but let's stick to the negative okay. for a second. So okay. like you said, when their frequency starts increasing, then they end up losing that advantage. Okay, so the the red bird does well if there's only one because the females like rarity. Yeah, Novelty. we can look at that exactly. But when everyone's red, it's like whatever. Yeah, I don't care. We're going to start whatever. using some other trait to determine a good quality male. Redness isn't enough anymore. Ah, yeah. Didn't Rob Brooks have a paper about beards? About this? He did have a beard paper. He also had a cricket paper. He also had a, a cricket, batting cricket ah. paper with John Hunt. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you can do research on this kind of stuff. Look, look up Rob know. Brooks and beards on the internet. Yeah, yeah. I see a whole thing about this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Barnaby Dixon is on that stuff as well. He's done, and we ended up working with Barnaby on beards and UFC fighters later on. But that's later another on. story altogether. Okay, so negative. So that okay, that makes sense. So negative yeah. frequency dependence. What about so? There's the other. The other thing exists too. Yeah, positive frequency positive. dependence. Yeah. So if we go back to that bird example, if females, you know, if females like red males, we may have some mutation that ends up creating a, uh, a yellow bird, but females don't like yellow birds and they won't end up kind of mating with them. So there's selection against that low frequency of individuals. Okay, right. Right. All right. So it can go either way. And so both yep. of those things exist and they're, they're a class of selection, right? Exactly. So that's yes. a subset of that first category. Which is natural selection. Which yeah. Natural selection. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, cool. That seems yeah. straightforward. Reasonably, uh, <laughs> <laughs> reasonably a lot of information to give to the students, but hopefully that's yeah, a review yeah. for most people. Yeah. Hopefully it all kind of puts everything in a little bit of a, a you know, a better perspective for all of you. But 
Uh, I think the fun thing. The fun thing be... is that ecology is all the same. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so you don't actually have to learn this twice. Yes, you just kind of need to learn. You just have to flip different... something in your head, yeah. and then hopefully all of ecology starts to make more sense for you. That's yes. the goal. That, uh, that's my. That's what I'm going to assert. Right. Yeah, now. Then, then that's hopefully what's going to end up happening here today. <laughs> in the next go... ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, and they'll be like, "Oh my god, that makes so much sense now." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we heard that evolutionary side of things. Let's. Now I get a chance to ask you a few questions of how it matches from an ecological perspective. So maybe, maybe just quickly say the four topics again, and then we'll go through each one of them just like we did in evolution. So selection and drift are the same. So sometimes people call it ecological selection instead of natural selection. Uh, ecological drift instead of genetic drift. Yep. So those two are exactly the same. But are, they, but are they exactly the same? Because evolutionary selection talks about alleles. Right. So instead of the frequency of an allele, we're now talking about the frequency of a species. Right. Okay. So you've got a community. Imagine like you've got a, an island that you're in charge of. And you count every species. Periodically you go out and you count every plant species and every bird species on that island. Um, so those the number of robins, say, on your island yep. can go up or down. Of course, yep. So that's the analogy with the allele frequency. Right. So your redbird's going up or down relative to the population of that species of birds. Right. So we're now talking about a species of birds going up and down relative to all the birds. Right, to other species of other birds. Other species of birds. Right, okay. So, so species is now the level of selection, not yeah. the allele. So we've okay. gone up okay. one level of organization, right. basically. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, so selection and drift are exactly the same. So now, then there's the category, the origin of new things. Yes. So for, for alleles, the origin of a new allele universally is called, is, comes from mutation. Right. So for species, the origin of a new species in the whole universe, right. we call it speciation. Yes. And that you've probably heard that already before. And you know, so that's a topic. You're ex a they're process. experts on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the process that you've, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious what it is. You know, you had one species before, something happens that leads to, to that species splitting into two. Right. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about what those processes yep. are, because that's actually usually covered in evolution, actually. Yeah, yeah. Sure enough. Um, but ecologically, it's really important because now you've got a new species that can compete for resources, it can interact with other species, yep. and so it's so it changes the dynamics. Changes the whole dynamics of yep. the system. Okay. Yep. And then the last one is actually pretty similar. So so for the red bird example, you yep. know, you, you had a an individual of one species moving. And so now you just think about this as a as a species moving. So a, a new right. species of bird flies to our island and yep. it appears. And so we call that dispersal. Um, and then in the same kind of way of speciation, I guess that has the potential to change the dynamics of how that all the, that whole population is kind of working on that island. Yeah, and it could be get there itself. So it could be fly there by itself, or it could be brought right. by another organism, including humans. Right. We call those invasive species, and sure. that could change the whole dynamics of the system. Right. So if you bring a snake onto an island that's never had snakes before, it eats all the bird eggs, that yes. changes, the, changes the dynamics. We've and seen so, that happen many times, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. And so that is, you know, that's exact analogy to migration right. is, is this dispersal event. 
Right. So those are the four. So they're actually not that different than the four that we just talked about. So there's subtle differences because we're up a level of organization. Right. But it's pretty analogous. Yep. So if you've got the evolution, if you if you if you've understood what Mike talked about in the first ten minutes, uh, making the leap to ecology is not that big, and you can keep think keep going back and forth in your thinking between the two levels um, because there are a lot of analogies. And I guess that just really, to some extent, really requires you to shift from allele to species. Yeah, just shift from allele of one, yeah. within a species yep. to now species within a community or an ecosystem. Yep. Um, so you're just going up up a level. Yeah. And then we're going to use this uh, that same kind of ecological framework to explain a whole bunch of ecological processes. So and, I, and outcomes. Yeah. And outcomes. Yeah. So. Let's see, if we, if we go through the exact same kind of uh, order that we did with the evolution kind of thing, and, we, and let's, let's bring up stochasticity again. Right. So um, from an ecological perspective, if you're managing this island, what, what, are kind of, what could be considered stochastic events that have the potential to change? And, and at the same extent, what are, what, what are non-stochastic events? Right, so it's actually pretty similar. So if you have um, a hurricane hits your island, mm -hmm. that's a stochastic event. No one, yeah, no, no you can't, planned. you can't predict it. Yep. You can't. You might say that it happens every hundred years, but when it happens, is right. stochastic. And I guess the severity of and it. The right? severity of right. it is stochastic. Yep. And its effects are stochastic. So like you either get killed by a tree blown over, or by chance you don't. You happen yep. to be. In the right place. In the right place yeah. at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time. And right. a strong stochastic element to that. Yep. And just like it had effects within species, mm -hmm. the genetic drift, it has effects at the community level. So some right. species just randomly might get killed more by that hurricane than others. Uh, and that's a, that's that can be thought of as ecological drift. Right. Um, and the other big analogy, the, the, the reason why it's very similar similar to, to what Mike was saying earlier is that it has a bigger effect if the community is smaller. Right. So it's that so, same kind of thing happening. Yeah. So if you have 10 birds total from three different species, one of, you know, one of them is more likely to go extinct on that right. island than if you have 10,000 birds because of those kind of random stochastic processes. Right. Um, so again, the population size is important in both evolution and in ecology. Yeah, so in, in ecology, we call it the community size. Right. So it's like the total number of birds on the island. Because we're talking about species Because we're talking about again, species. Right? Yes. For the alleles, we're talking about the population size, so it's how many birds of that species. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that makes, that makes complete sense. Um, so I want to get back to that idea of new species being introduced in those two kinds of ways. You had speciation and dispersal, right? So in, from an ecological perspective, how would you explain speciation? Right, so the, from an ecological perspective, so for the management example, so yep. if, you're, if you're in charge of Lord Howe Island, yep. and you're the national parks person in charge. Good job. <laughs> it's a lucky you get to job. Live there. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It's lucky. nice. Uh, no coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. um, and 
speciation is probably not your biggest worry. Right. This is happening slowly. Right. So you can argue about whether the species on Lord Howe Island are different species than they are on the mainland. Sure. But that their split happened, broadly speaking, a long time ago. So this is a slower process. So it doesn't really matter to some. For a management yeah. perspective. Right. Uh, for a longer term perspective, for for the diversity of Lord Howe Island, how many species you have there right. really matters. Yep. How many species are there on the Galapagos? Darwin studied all these finches. There were lots of speciation events, so that that affected how many diversity. But the actual process occurs very rarely. Right. Okay. So okay. it's not managed per se. Okay. Unlike dispersal. So if you're in charge of Lord Howe Island, this is what you're thinking about all the time. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> this consumes every this waking consumes moment. Yeah. That you know are. Some some kind of fox or cat yes. yeah, or yeah. something is going to get onto your bird sanctuary and eat all of your birds. Right. So so that's a dispersal event. Yes. And that could have a profound effect on the whole system. Of and that place. whole community structure, I guess. And the whole community structure right. and all the interactions. Right. And so from a management, from an eco ecological management perspective, dispersal is really important. Um, the other big outcome that all of these processes lead to. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't talk about this a lot. Is less important for evolution is right. the genetic diversity of the of the population, but for ecology, this is what ecologists talk about all the time: is yeah. how diverse is your system? How many species do you have? Um, and so, one of the management things that people are really interested in is managing for a diverse ecosystem. So, the outcome of these four processes, all four of them, leads to the diversity of the place. And so if you're in charge of Lord Howe Island, one of the things national parks would be really interested in is let's keep let's not let's keep it at 40 bird species. Right. If if it starts to drop to 30 bird species, that's, that's a problem. Yeah, and you need to solve it. You as need the manager. to solve it. Yeah. That is your you, job manager. You messed up. Yeah, yeah. By not managing these four processes right. correctly. Yeah, yeah. Um, or at least understand what's How going they interact. on yeah, and yeah. try to take a management action to to counteract that sure yeah yeah uh so dispersal is important for that drift is really important for that so right random events of these small populations especially on an island on an island yeah yeah and then selection of climate change could be a selective pressure sure uh human forest use chopping down trees yeah, could be a yeah. selective pressure um and then all sorts of other things could happen within the species to, right. to provide selective pressures. Um, within the species other. or the community? Within the community. Sorry, yeah, okay. Within the community. Okay. So, so um, yeah, so the, so the population of, of one species could, could go up by chance. Right. But, it, but it's prey species. It's then exerting a selective pressure on the thing that it eats. That's right, yeah, and that's going to um, decrease that. Which is going to change the whole dynamics of everything. Add, yeah. you know, all sorts of other selective pressures on the whole system. And then I guess that's kind of where food webs, kind yeah. of understanding the connections between organisms that uh, Sue would have talked about really come into play. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. these, so all of the interactions between the species, yeah, are res result from these four fundamental processes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So diversity is a much in ecology, I mean, diversity is also an outcome from evolution, but right. we tend to talk about it more in ecology because yes. this is something that we want. We think a healthy ecosystem has a, 
declines in species are seen as a decline in ecosystem health. And, and, and we see that also in, from an evolutionary perspective, right? If you have a decline in allele frequencies and, and variation in alleles, that could be bad for that species as a whole because there's not enough more susceptible to diseases exactly. or something. Or, or yeah. you know, it's less likely to evolve because selection has much less variation to act on. So those are also seen as bad things from an evolutionary perspective as well. So again, we have that really nice analogy that I think works from an evolutionary perspective and ecological perspective, which is kind of cool. Uh, so the other thing was, the other big analogy is, so the, yeah. what did you call it for evolution? Frequency? Frequency-dependent selection, yes. So, so we tend to call it in ecology density-dependent selection. Yes. So how is that different? It's pretty much the same. <laughs> That's <laughs> really <fantastic>. not. <laughs> I love that. It's just one level up. Yeah, yeah, okay. So if you understood the, the, the frequency-dependent selection, you sh it's pretty much the same as density-dependent selection. Right. So when something is rare in selection, it's a, it's a relationship between the direction of selection or the strength of selection right. and its rarity. Okay. So it could be the allele rarity or it could be the species rarity. Right. So if a species is more rare, then how could selection act on that in a positive or negative kind of way? It could be either. Okay. okay. It could be either, right? So you have negative density dependence and you have positive. Okay. In the same kind of way as we have in evolution then. Okay. Yeah. Same exact thing. Yeah. So uh, you could have the biggest one for ecology is disease. Right. So if, if you get to, so if you think of a forest, it's got a lot of tree species in it. Yep. But one of those tree species gets super successful. It's really good at those conditions and the forest go, gets really abundant in that forest. So high right. density. So all, it, that tree species pretty much takes over everything. Yeah. Okay. But then uh, disease comes into the system and right. it can transmit between those individuals really well. Right. Okay. And so that exerts... Uh, negative density dependent right. selection pressure on that species. Right, and that would mean that other species that would be using that same, that would be in that, that same, the same resources would end up doing better. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. So that will tend, it's very complicated, but that yeah. tends to promote diversity. Right, okay. So these are just natural processes within a system often. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. They, uh, they can result from species interact. That's the, so the most famous one is that one. So either a disease right. or an herbivore. Sure. So yeah, you yeah. could you could have an insect that loves that tree species. When it's rare, it's hard to find it. Yeah. So that tree species does well. That tree species does well because it can. The insect's really good at eating it. It eats the whole tree yeah. if it yeah. finds it. But it's rare, so it's hard to get. You know, it eats this old tree. It's hard to find the next one. Right. Yep. Okay. But once it gets common. It just jumps from tree to tree to tree to tree. And then devours, devours everything. the whole thing. Yeah, okay. And, so, and, then it, and then it goes back to being rare. Right. And so you can have these cyclical dynamics. That kind of that's kind of terrifies me about all our crops, doesn't it? Yes. They're all, yeah, so they're all identical, aren't they? So when you plant a monocle, so they're yeah. very susceptible to, yeah. to the, both disease and herbivory yeah. processes. Uh, it can go the other way, so that... So the, so the disadvantage when rare yeah okay uh is the the most widespread example is finding a mate 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you're outcrossing, right? If you're outcrossing, yeah. if you're obligate outcrosser, which yeah. is another term, we should probably explain that term. Yeah, and that yeah yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll explain that on the internet so you guys can look at the at the text. But but briefly, I guess that means you just need to mate with another individual, not yourself. You need to mate with it. You can't mate with yourself. Yeah, which we can't. Yes, but plants can. <laughs> Some plants. Can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. plants can't. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're obligate outcrosser and you're rare, you can be very hard to find mates. Right. It's, but when you get common, it becomes a lot easier. That makes sense. And so that exerts a positive force when you're common and a negative selection yeah. pressure when you're rare. So that's, right. those are the exact, pretty close to exact analogies to what you described earlier. Yeah, the, yeah almost identical, really. Just one level up. Yeah, we're just, again, species versus alleles. Species I, versus alleles. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, did we miss anything? No, I think we've got all the ones that we wanted to. But I, I, one thing that really fascinated me about the article or that chapter that you ended up sending me was the fact that uh, something that you mentioned early on that evolution's kind of had this organization from inception because Darwin came up with this idea of natural selection and everything else kind of fell off of that and just kind of made it a really neat story. But ecology felt like it's, it's been around so much longer than evolution has. And you go out in a field and you want to see and understand why things are different in this field than they are in that other field. And you explain things through a whole bunch of processes. Yeah, so and, it's, yeah, so, and it's messy. Yeah. And so people have done this over and over again. Because my field is different than my, your field. My forest is different than your forest. Yeah. And I'm, well, you're a coral reef person, and I'm a fish sure. person, and I'm a microbial person, and yep. I want to come up with concepts for my own idea. Yeah, yeah. And so that's one thing you guys are going to have to grapple with, and we're not going to be able to save you from, <laughs> is all of these jargon and all of these terms and all of these different, ecology's got a lot of them. Because of everyone's kind of looked at a similar situation and tried to understand their process of why that's like that way and created terminology to explain their systems. Yeah. 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 So they created separate terminologies. And one of the reasons I really like this chapter, this framework, yep. is that you can then take these new things that you learn. You go to coral reef and you're working on spawning of corals or something. Right. Like, oh, that goes under dispersal. Right. So you can think about each one of the specifics, ecological specifics, that are relevant for corals, or they're relevant for bacteria, they're relevant for birds, and you put them into this same framework. Right. So we're not going to be able to save you from all of the terms that are coming. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, we, 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 would, we would if we could. But we've given them the tools to be able to simplify them. Yeah, so put them into boxes when yeah. you learn them. Yeah. So to think about selection, drift, speciation, dispersal. And by far the one that you're going to come across the most is selection. Yes. Both in ecology and, and evolution. evolution. Because they play such important roles in shaping species or communities. Commun yeah. And, and, it, and stochasticity is like just hard, you know? Like yeah, 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 it is. It's just confusing. It's difficult. Well, it's also, it, it can depend on the situation and how much you know about that situation. Yeah, and by definition, you can't predict it, right? So right, exactly, yeah. So it's hard to get your head around it. It's hard yep. to use it in management sense. Sure. Um, yep. And so we tend to, in the field, focus on the things we can control, which is 
sometimes, I mean, we can't always control it, but we have a better chance for selection than we do for drift. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the big analogy, I think, between ecology and evolution. And I think that works really, really well. And hopefully that will allow each of you to, whether you prefer evolutionary concepts or ecological concepts and are drawn to either field a little bit more, it kind of provides you a framework to switch back and forth into a, a bigger context that shapes both of these things. Yeah, so really focus on those four processes and understand the analogies between them. And I think that will, even if you end up being an ecologist, it'll help you read evolution papers. Yep, absolutely. And if you're an evolutionary biologist, it'll help you read ecology papers. And also uh, help you understand processes probably and, and the application of some of these things that you may be studying. Yeah, so and then every outcome, like a lot of the focus of interventions and a lot of the focus of what we do is, is to talk about outcomes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And all of those outcomes are re results of these four processes. Yep. And to really make a clear distinction in your head between this is an outcome versus this is a process. Right. I think will be very helpful. Right. Forward. So once again, the difference between a process and outcome, an easy way to kind of think about it that way is? Um, ooh, maybe it's, you have a better one. I don't know. Maybe a process is something that's happening in the background or some... Process ha is, a, is, is you go from one state to another. Right. Okay. The outcome is the state. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Allele frequency is an outcome. Right. Change in allele frequency is a process. a process. Yeah. So the out outcome is the number of species in a, on Lord Howe Island is an, is an outcome. Right. The change is the result of a process. That's a great so, way. So yeah. it's like you have a snapshot versus the change between two snapshots. Yeah. Um, and often in ecology, both ecology and evolution, what we have is the data we have is snapshots. It's hard right. to collect data on a everything process, at all yeah. the time because it's, because it's dynamic, because things are changing, because the for all kinds of reasons, cyclone is yeah. coming, the fire, the you know, things not happen, enough water, not enough not water, enough food, everything is changing all the time in both yeah. ecology and evolution, and we don't have perfect information about that. Absolutely. So what we yeah. get are these snapshots. Yep. But the processes are the are are conceptual mapping of we can go from snapshot one to snapshot two. We need to understand why that change happened. And, and it helps the, us understand how it's four, happening. Four yeah. processes. Yeah. No, that, that's, a, that's a good definition. There you go. You've heard it here. That's it. That is the definition from now on. <laughs> I like it. It works well. Yeah. Yeah, I think, we, I think we've covered everything that we really wanted to in, in this kind of, uh, for this lecture. Yeah, so this hopefully this is all audio. You guys listen to this while you're on a car trip or you're yeah, just exactly. washing dishes or whatever. Yeah, it's a train. little bit easier. The video is not that interesting. The video, I probably you won't didn't, even you didn't have up. to watch us. No, no, no. And we didn't even get to see the dog. No, no, video, so it's so just like this fake point? ghost dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so the idea, you know, like just think about all the stuff that comes up in the course in the context of these processes. Yeah. Um, and I, it takes a little while, so I think we... We wanted to do a longer form thing for this because it just takes, you got to think about examples. Yes. You got to think about the process again, like iterative steps to, to get it, to let it really sink in. Yeah. And I think, I think one thing that everyone could kind of go away with is something we chatted about earlier. It was this idea of, you know, try and think of some stochastic things, some 
random events that could potentially affect a species and allele frequencies in an evolutionary perspective and also a community and a species from an ecological perspective. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good little to pick a study system that you really care about. Yep, whatever Butter, it is, it doesn't matter. Butterflies or birds, spiders, yeah. flowers, birds, flowers, whatever. Yep, anything. And to think about an yep. example of all eight of those things. And I think that would really cement it. Cement it. Yeah. And, and um, then you really got it, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then once you really get it, I think you can apply it really nicely to any kind of thing to understand that system a little bit better. And, you know, then you're kind of on your way to becoming a researcher, really, aren't you? And <laughs> <laughs> you start to think about things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there you have it, everyone. I hope that kind of makes sense. You know, um, we'll have an opportunity to chat and have questions about this lecture a little bit in class uh, at some point. Or, you know, drop a line in the forums and we can kind of tackle things a little bit further. Thanks Great. a lot, Will. Thanks, Mike. See you, everyone.